I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's terrible. No, it's not. I know Jim. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you. Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass. Welcome to Above the Garage, a Nick and June, The Handmaid's Tale podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to the deep dive into season one, episode seven of The Handmaid's Tale. This episode is entitled The Other Side, and it is intended for longtime watchers. So if you are a new watcher, go and find our spoiler-free analysis that we released on Monday. And let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Tina. Hi, I'm Wanda. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Hi, I'm Violet. And I'm Kate. Before we dive in, I just wanted to say, obviously, this is a Luke-heavy episode, and O.T. is a phenomenal actor that I think plays Luke exactly as Margaret Atwood intended for him to be played, portrayed in the book. And so any criticism we have of Luke, the character, is exactly that, criticism of a fictional character that was meant to be portrayed that way. Again, O.T. is just the most fantastic actor, and fully earned his Emmy Award nomination for this role uh, earlier this year. Congratulations, OT. Uh, now we will dive into the deep dive. The episode opens again with the car crashing, which you see in, I think you see the first time in the pilot episode, but now they're going to yep. do, they're going to do a deeper dive into what happens after, which is They're going to do the other side. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I literally asked earlier, I wonder why I spelled the other side. And everyone was like, uh, it's obvious, Kate. So yeah, the, the thing that I noticed new in this rewatch of Crashing the Car, which I talked about in Spoiler Free, but in case you don't listen to Spoiler Free longtime fans, which I understand, although we cover different topics, I noticed this time that the license plate in the beginning is R3D13G. So like that kind of jumped out at me as read the r3d which is why i googled it and then found one website rosettedelacroix.com uh with this whole theory about how the 13g was related to the illuminati i'm not saying that's true i just wanted to source her but i did notice the red in the license plate and there's a recurring theme of red words in this episode and show i think i've heard bruce say they focus on details like that you know the timeline might be a little sketch, but just like the uh, the bus being Scarlet Woods, I think yeah. is what it's like Scarlet Woods Nursing Home or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that definitely I think was on assisted on living. purpose. Yeah, yeah, assisted living. Yeah, sure, I though. think that was one hundred percent on purpose. You, you know, you're not going to reference Scarlet on a show where you know women wear red um, as handmaids. Oh, okay. you know, that's to me seems like the kind of like the Scarlet Letter too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which that is what Scarlet me. thought this show was. <laughs> That's right. It all comes full circle. So much Scarlet. That, yes, it is. So June and Hannah are rushing out of the car and Luke is saying to defend the car. Do you guys have any parallels or? Yes. Okay, 
cool the beginning it felt similar to um season two episode 10 where where well you know you, you think nick nick gets shot and june doesn't know if he was hurt um luke actually oh, gets shot yeah oh wow. in that moment you hear the gunfire and in the instance with nick you think he's getting shot and you know he wasn't he knocked the gun away but with luke no he actually got shot so I wonder if that all in that moment in 210 played into June's fear. You know, she heard the gunshot. And last time that happened where she heard a gunshot, she thought he was dead. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, in this instant, you know, with Nick, it wasn't, thank goodness. But we you know with Luke, no, he actually was injured and did almost die. So that made me think of that moment. That is um, a good parallel. I guess she goes she... through so many like similar repeated traumas in her life. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I don't know. How I guess she lost. doesn't know for sure that Luke got shot. She just heard the gunshots, right? Yes. And that's, but it's that's, the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing of not knowing. Yeah, exactly. And she assumed she, he was dead for the past three years. Right. Yeah. So. And I assume at that point in 210, she would have assumed Nick was shot and probably going to die too. I mean, that's what I would have assumed. Like, oh, you know, and loading up his like that. lifeless body into the back of yeah. that car. I would have been like, oh my God, he's dead. <laughs> like, it happened I assumed again. he got shot or weren't something. you like that? That's what I was like. Although yeah. you can kind of, this is we, we're going way too far down this episode. But season <laughs> two, episode of, ten is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, okay. you can sort of see where the gun shoots, like shoots down. It shoots down. Yeah, yeah. Do you think everybody looked as closely as we did? No, <laughs> but that was probably just me because I was like, did they kill? Is Nick okay? Yeah. I don't know if Nick is okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's no that's no because i remember when my mom watched it the first time she was like did he get shot is he hurt and i was like oh my god <laughs> i watched very closely and i can tell you he's not but you know so yeah what other parallels do we have so i have another one so i have here um i guess there is some sort of flashback and i don't remember where it plays in but it is somewhere near the beginning because i have written down as a tape recorder so there is a flashback to uh-huh. hannah You're- and june playing with the tape recorder and i know I don't know if this is proven. It was just a theory. I read it on Reddit or something somewhere, but there is a theory that um, the voiceovers or voiceovers were things she recorded while she was in the cabin. I thought that was interesting. And then also I thought the tape recorder was interesting because it's very reminiscent of how she is going to communicate with Luke. I know. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. And season three, I was like, she's going to, she's going to get a tape recorder and she's going to send the tape to Luke. So it's like in this day and age, how often do any of us see tape recorders? Tape recorders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even in 2014 or whenever this was, you don't see tape recorders very often anymore. So it was very noticeable to me too. Yeah. This time rewatching it, but that Hannah's playing with an exact like yeah, a tape recorder of what June's gonna send his next her next communication communication. to Luke. Yeah. Yeah. The way Luke is in this episode, he doesn't, you know, again, I always say that he's oblivious, not malicious, kind of pushing everything to the side or maybe kind of having unrealistic expectations of what's going on. Um, is very I I would have thought that throughout, you know, the four seasons or the time that passed four seasons. He would be a little different once we got to season four and mm-hmm. um he proved me wrong nope. he pretty yeah. much is the same yeah uh, especially when he's dismissive to june and you know like well you're here which is obviously he just wants to go back to the way things were just like we want to go back to the way things were before covid that's just the best example i can use to illustrate that he just wants to go back and he doesn't understand that there's no going back too many things have happened for you to just be able to go back and go to Boston and grab a few beers and watch a game. And Yeah. And I think if he had gone through this episode, as, as frustrating as it was to see him complacent and, and not taking the action he needed to for his daughter and his, his wife, if we'd gotten to season four, 
and he changed at all in his behavior, then, you know, I would have felt warmer towards the character. Even down to like cutting her off when she's talking, she's talking to Emily and he's like, stop, why are you saying that? And yeah, that paternalistic attitude towards her. And that is pretty shocking to me considering what she's been through. And he does want her back, I know that. And yet he's made no effort to change himself or understand her or women, et cetera. So yeah, I mean. You even look at how he dealt with Mr. Whitford, the attitude that he gave Mr. Whitford. And then you look at how he dealt with Mark Tuello when in episode seven, season four, when Mark was suggesting that June stay there and debrief. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So yeah, and the way even like when they when he told him to get in the trunk and they were like at first aghast and then okay, like June was like, yeah. And they were like, okay. And then as they were walking around to the trunk, Luke's like shaking his head like he's annoyed at Whitford. And yeah, like, you should be like pissed off at yourself, right? If anything, and grateful that you're being afforded an opportunity to get in a trunk right now. Yeah. You know, and like just his annoyance with Whitford. Ugh. But you know, don't you guys think it's ironic that those things that we pick up, you know, that are minimal, quote unquote, um, I mean, for me, they're not minimal, but for a lot of people are minimal. There's things that you just, oh, well, that's the way he is. Oh, well, you know, like, at least he's a good father or, you know, women tend to make excuses or justifications for those things because there are things that are more important in a way. So mm-hmm. it's very hard to try to explain this to people that are maybe not going to see it as something that is wrong mm-hmm. because it's not, it's not malicious. It's not violent, but it does have a consequence, you know? And, and again, it's just the result of being in a patriarchal society mm-hmm. and we do it too. Like women do it too. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I said, in spoiler free, you know, like the first time I saw Luke with a gun, you know, I was like, why is he such an idiot? He doesn't even know how to shoot a gun. And obviously right. we discussed that not everybody knows how to shoot a gun. So, but we as women, as we've seen in many movies and many romantic shows, you know, the men are supposed to come in Rambo style and save you. And in this episode, we've seen actually two women handle the gun a lot better than, than the man, which in this case was Luke. You know, mm-hmm. June does it. And um, uh, what's the name? Zoe? what's the name of it yeah, oh zoe yeah. yeah yeah zoe does it you know a lot better than he does i think that luke is being given all the blame and june deserves a little bit too okay you fair. know what that's and i point. and i felt that way too kate mm-hmm. until i realized that she had no autonomy at all i mean i thought well i'll just pick my kid up and go she mm-hmm. couldn't even move freely i i feel like she could have pushed luke harder though like mm-hmm. if she because i don't think luke would have just like not listened if she had been like no 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 seriously we're leaving like we're leaving like you know like I feel like she could have been more demanding of what she wanted in the book it said that she wanted to argue with him sometimes but she realized that she needed him so Hmm. I mean I I felt a lot like Kate felt like why the heck didn't June do more but by the time she realized what was going on she she needed she couldn't push him like that because she needed him she couldn't you know, turn him against her. That's why she probably didn't say a lot uh, to him. I think that's exactly that. I think that's exactly why how she was thinking about it. But I don't think that she should have thought about it that way. I think she should have thought about it like I need to protect my daughter. I need to push push Luke Carter. 
Yeah. She shouldn't have been as complacent maybe yeah. before Gilead. You know, like I get what you're trying to say. I, I definitely relate a lot to that though, because I just feel like I would just, I would be the last person <laughs> with a gun because <laughs> I would just be like, Mm, do we really need to go to guns like yeah, really? I'm, with, I'm with you uh, Violet. that's me too <laughs> like, and I'm the total opposite I'll be like let me get a gun yeah. I mean I think if I had your Same. training and stuff and your background I would be like that but just because I've literally never even touched a gun before it's like yeah uh, it can't be can't. scary when I first touched it I was nervous about it too but then I realized that you know I had more power than I thought I actually was given the weapon more power like it's, yeah, it's me that's controlling it. Right. You know, it's a very good way. Yeah, I think it. it's yeah, it's more just like a general like feeling of civilians having guns and me not loving that. Right. <laughs> so but, but, it's so, it's kind of that 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 stops me more so than anything else. Well, you know, <laughs> what happened to Aaron? Right. So at the end of the episode, it's implied that she is living with Luke. Right. Because um, he says the heat is on. You you know you don't go back home um she is she was in um was it early season two the scene yeah with moira and luke and they were talking about making breakfast or something yeah must be the fruit loops the fruit loops. yes yeah yes <laughs> Blessed be the fruit that loops. was episode yeah. three of season two right and then she's just gone now right i mean mm. do, do was were her whereabouts ever explained because now he's living with i mean obviously now in season four he's living with moira and holly and but aaron is no longer there no. Did they no. ever say where no. she went? Did any? No. I don't think so. Think- In real life, she had a baby. Oh, oh did she, she did. Okay, yeah. never mind. I follow her oh. on Instagram. Oh, that's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. You I just knew just- that ATF right off the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make it easier for yourself that. on this episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do any <laughs> fact checking. <laughs> she that's why I asked. I was- whole episode. Because yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember them ever saying what happened to her. And I don't think they did, you know, so she, she just kind of, I don't know, moved out on her own, I guess. Good for her. Okay. So I have um, a question, something that it's kind of been thinking about for a while. So, you know, like in episode four nine, when Nick puts on his, his wedding ring. Oh, how are we talking about I'm that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but it's, it's something that's bothering me about when they panned over to June And she oddly puts up her hand to her face twice, which she doesn't have a wedding ring on it, which made me think that Gilead voided out all the marriages, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You didn't see any in this episode. We haven't seen any like legal papers, birth certificates, marriage certificates. So I'm wondering, are they on paper still married? That's a great question. I had wondered that too. That's a really good I think no. I think no. Because everything that we only have, well, they only have two states left, Hawaii and Alaska. So everything had to be destroyed by Gilead. Mm -hmm. So where is their marriage license? They don't have I think they're not. not Yeah, I think they're not technically married anymore. Yeah, they have to get a new license. We were talking about when they were at the border getting ready to cross and somebody mentioned, I think it was Violet, said um, they use drones now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All I could yeah. think about was Nick saying the eyes have tactical control of the border. So does that mean um, Nick, you know, has access to 
drones and night vision and all sorts of uh, fun stuff, you know, <laughs> stuff he can use now as the commander of the eyes at the border. Fortunately, I can never imagine Nick like having fun with toys like drones. He's too goddamn <laughs> yeah. serious. That's true. He is. He is very that. serious. I but, like, you know, I'd like to see that. <laughs> I wasn't sure if he was commander of the eyes when I heard that line, but mm-hmm. then I think it was on after the show or the show that they do after the episodes air or yeah. an interview I saw. I think it was uh, Yvonne Stravosky that said, you know, well, now he's commander of the eyes. Like it was one of the members of the cast that said it. Like, really? So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I did, I did have another point. Um, so the okay. note that June sent to Luke was, mm-hmm. I love you so much, save Hannah. Mm-hmm. I don't think, this is just my opinion, I don't think he did much to save Hannah at that mm-hmm. point. And the reason I say that is because, and I think, and I can't remember, I think it was the first episode of season three. Luke has that like, in like a little box, I think it was, or maybe it was the first episode of season two, but he had like a little box and it was full of information about Waterford. Yeah. It was had nothing to do with Hannah. It was all about Waterford. And then, you know, when uh, the Waterfords came to Canada, it was not about where's my daughter. You know, when Nick came to him at the bar, he was not, hey, do you know anything about my daughter? It was all about Waterford and June. So June sent him this note and he's not focusing on Hannah. He's focused on her. Mm -hmm. You know, she specifically said, save Hannah. And he's, I did not see him doing any work to save Hannah. It was all focused on Waterford and June and getting, I don't know, some sort of revenge on Waterford, I guess. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what his goal was, but I, I didn't be mistaken, doing- but I, I think he asks Nick, I'm not sure at the bar, like, do you know where, where my daughter is? I don't, yeah. I don't know why I have yeah, this he definitely idea. Did. Yeah. He, he does, did. but, it, but it's almost okay. an afterthought because Nick comes up to him and he's telling him about June, you know, he's, you know, she's pregnant, it's Waterford's. And then Luke is like, get out. And he starts pushing him and Nick is like, okay, I'm going to leave. And he, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Well, do you know about Hannah? Like, you know, I feel like if it was me, my first thing would have been like, do you know where my daughter is? Mm-hmm. It almost was like a an afterthought. Oh, yeah. well, maybe I shouldn't have just pushed this guy away, you know? But to be fair, yeah. Nick came in and said, like, I know June. She's my friend. She's pregnant, like pretty quickly. That's, so it's true. I'm just but I totally agree with you because that's been my overall like impression of him through all of even season four. Um when he says like did she choose this to Moira about June like no her your daughter's still there you yeah know? he never thought that well maybe June stayed to get Hannah he was yeah. thinking maybe June stayed to be with Nick right and even right. when she's back and he's like you're here Nicole's here this is a yeah. miracle like you're blo- she's still blocking out the you know very but- large problem that his daughter is stuck in there can, can I just mention something like because I'm always saying that Luke is selfish and um, and people may say, well, well, why do you say he's selfish when he's taking care of another man's child? Well, I can even see the selfishness in that because Luke has always wanted to be a father. And when Hannah was taken away from him, that left a void. Nicole is filling that void right now. He, he initially he didn't accept her because. He thought she was a product of rape, but eventually I guess he realized what this can do for him. He can be a father. He's even in episode 10, he said to June, like you said, Kate, you're here. Nicole's here. We need to count our blessings. I'm not saying that he doesn't want to get his daughter back, but right now 
he's content with having Nicole and June so yeah. that he can be that family that he wanted to get back. Yeah, that's exactly it, Tina. That's what, what you were yeah. saying, like made me, I've always kind of felt that way. And it's been hard to pinpoint exactly, but just she doesn't have the urgency even to find Hannah that I would expect of a father. Yeah, I agree with you guys, but I thought it was interesting that like at the beginning of this episode, he seemed like pretty much only focused on Hannah, like even when like the car wrecked and stuff and he was like, barely checking if June was okay and then he was just like is she okay I mean I guess that's how you would be but it just seemed like he was a lot more interested in Hannah and like even in his memories it was all like focused on her and I don't know maybe it's what he's what what we see that he sees you know like and at the beginning of the episode you know Hannah is with them so you know he's checking on her you know just I mean obviously June is a bit more concerned you know with the Benadryl and stuff um, and he's holding on to the memories and, you know, the album and the bracelet and the sonogram pictures. And then once he gets to Canada, he doesn't really see either Hannah or June. And then he finds out that June's alive. And then when she's, when he sees Nick, you know, he's talking about June. So then he kind of like, everything focuses on June. It's not like he forgot about Hannah, but maybe, I don't know what he has visible right now or the information that he has is June. So maybe that's why he focused on June. Yeah, that, that can make some sense. That makes sense. I mean, I you're think... right about the photo albums and stuff. That's obviously Hannah's very important. Then, so. I mean, I think that's I kind of the thing that he does in general is sort of like, I mean, it's a, it's a coping mechanism that a lot of people do, but just where you kind of like, just like an out of sight, out of mind almost like thing. Mm, nice. I, mean, I, I honestly think that he waited seven years out of guilt. I, I think he feels like extremely, extremely, extremely guilty and at fault. And I think he said it in an interview. OT says, you know, Luke failed protecting his family. Like he didn't know how yeah. to handle a gun. He didn't yeah. get out in time. So he, like, that's the way the character is supposed to be presented, you know? Yeah. So it, it's just the constant. I mean, we see it throughout all the seasons. And I think that, like I mentioned in the, in the spoiler free, um, they're, they're, very specific instances in this episode where you see that he realized just how much he fucked up. Like when he finds out that Whitford had died, you know, he looks at June, June knows she's screwed. And, you know, he, the way he looks at her is like, yeah, this is real. Like he realized in that moment, just the severity of the situation. He didn't realize before, you know, um, with everything that happened, but in that moment he realized I, you know, I should have done things differently. And then when, when Aaron freaks out in the bus, you know, and they explain to him what they're doing to the fertile woman, it's when he, like, that for me was when he saw June and Aaron, like, that's what's going to happen to June. So I think that those two scenes are, you know, when he realizes that he fucked up and he's just carrying that guilt throughout, you know, all the seasons, like, that's why he didn't want to go to the, to the prayer vigil or you know, why he made that question. Like if June chose that, I mean, it's all about guilt and grief and him being angry at himself, not being angry at June. Can I just mention um, yeah. the relationship between June and Luke uh, that I found out when doing some research for ATF um, that it took two years for him to get away from, from Annie. And during those two years, uh, June really fell in love with him passionately. They had a passionate affair where they met at a hotel often the hotel that's now Jezebel's wait for oh. real it is yeah no way yep this is amazing I think it's uh, amazing it's just I do a lot of cross-referencing of the yeah. book so, wow 
but they enjoyed each other's company and June loved Luke deeply. That's what it said. Mm-hmm. June loved Luke deeply. <laughs> I don't know. And I guess he loved her too, but. Didn't say that. Yeah, it didn't. Initially, their relationship was equal, right? He did the cooking, she did whatever. And he didn't see any reason for feminist activism. Activism. He just didn't it see says, any, uh, Yeah, he didn't see any. And he would tease June's mom, who was a feminist activist. Mm-hmm. And then once Gilead takes away women's rights, as you, I think Kate read last week, that June felt a shift in the relationship. She felt like, you know, they at once they were each other's, but now she's she's his. And then at, there was times where he acted really paternalistic towards her. I mean, she would talk to her husband about losing her job. And he one time in the book actually shushed her, said, hush, you know, I'll take care of you. And she felt that their their relationship. Would, but what I found interesting is that they had a passionate affair for two years. It took him that's two great. years. Like that's huge information that I did not understand. Yeah. Wow. So, so he was she, with Annie for two years. She was uh, well, he was fighting getting a divorce for two years. OK. And it took two years to get away from Annie huh. and get married to June. So that makes her even younger than I thought she was when they met. Oh my God, yeah. Well, I think that's what her mother was bothered about, too, because she was so young and getting involved with Luke. I think he maybe didn't think in his life activism or feminism wasn't necessary because he wasn't sexist. He, he doesn't believe that he's sexist. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Sure. You know, I'll take care of you. Like the way that I saw that scene when he says, I'll take care of you is I don't really go with this, but this is what we have. And yes, I have your money, but whenever you want to use it, I'm going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't, you know, like it, you're still controlling it. Yeah. Even you have no choice because that's the law. Mm-hmm. So he believed that he wasn't doing anything wrong. So that's why he thought those things were useless because the times had already changed and we have our rights and we are equal and we have it better than other women in other places in the world. So that's really just, you know, you, you girls just want more is what they usually say. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what he believed and that's why he acts the way he acts. Yeah, that's the conflict between June and her mom. Yes. June actually didn't see any reason to fight for fem- for uh, women's rights because that had already been done already. So mm-hmm. why do we need to do that? And her mother was mad because she was June was so indifferent. So that's the conflict between the daughter and the mother. But she realized later on, obviously, yeah. Yeah, what her did. mother was doing. Like, I think she kind of resented her mom a little bit. Like, yeah. when we see when she's giving birth to, to Hannah, she says something like, you know, she's not going to get here. And she does because, mm-hmm. you know, her mother was always busy with her activism instead of like maybe being with June, but she was sacrificing her time with June so that yeah. June can have a better future. And that's what June's doing now. Yeah, She's sacrificing her time with her daughters so they can have a better future. I like that dynamic. It's yeah. going to be interesting to talk about when we get there. I just think that that's why too, June chose a man like, like um, Luke because of the way she was raised by her mother. She didn't have a man in her life. You know, her mom didn't want a man in her life. So June wanted to have that, that type of family with a husband and a wife and a kid, you know, and I think that's why she actually chose a man like Luke. She didn't know anything better. She met Luke, you know, and she, you know, she fell in love 
Luke didn't really treat her bad, except no. the crush that I didn't know. Luke never treat like he didn't yell at her. He didn't, no. you know, like it was just a normal relationship. It's what you expect and, and what society expects you to find in a man. Right. So she fell in love. Plus, it was something that she had to fight for because he was married. Mm-hmm. Um, so she won because, you know, he chose her, you know, women love to be chosen. Yeah. Um, so she didn't know anything better. So she thought that was the love of her life. Ironically, she gets to Gilead and she sees something entirely different. Right. It just always makes me mad when we do stuff like that to each other. You know, I wouldn't think to take another man. I mean, another woman's husband. June wanted what she wanted and she went after it. And that's that's June. I mean, he probably told her that, you know, the, the usual, the classic, they're separated. I'm not happy. I love you. You know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> My other notes were just that uh, I think that w- with what we know now, that handing over that wedding ring truly signified the end of his marriage. <gasps> Getting on the oh, yeah. my God. That's a yeah. really good point. Yeah. You're yeah. right. And also, um, I mentioned this is spoiler free, but waiting for Luke in that same scene uh, when Zoe took Luke into the church to show him what happens to people that um, try to stand up against them. Waiting for Luke in that scene also got a lot of their group killed when they got back in the to get on the boat. And then that reminded me of um, 4-3 when they wait for June to get off mm. with Aunt Lydia. And unfortunately, some of our handmade friends oh. died. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, my note was uh, just like getting on the boat to Canada unwillingly was uh, June and Luke parallel. Um, Both of them having a hard time getting on that boat with Hannah still there. Even though, like we talked about earlier, it it surprises me that Luke says in a later episode, did she choose this about June? I I would think that he would understand better because he didn't want to get on that boat um, to Canada that, yeah, June was staying in Gilead to try to protect Hannah. It's hard to leave anybody behind there. Right. (laughs) Okay, so I think that's a wrap on season one, episode seven of The Handmaid's Tale. Thank you for joining us. If you are a longtime watcher, you should still listen to our episode eight next week, spoiler free on Monday and another deep dive next Wednesday. Thanks for listening. You know, I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's terrible. No, it's not. I know June. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you. Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass. 